0: All those from the Bluff, yeah, let's welcome them. They uh, they are visiting with us. Is Mark Ward here tonight? There you are. Mark and Mark and his whole family are there. And Nicky, I knew that. Don't you want to stand up, Mark and Nikki Ward. Don't you stand up, please. These are one of my best friends, and they're from the Bluff, and they're just such a blessing to me and Janet, and they've opened the door for Curry to come, to, come through to us, and it's been a wonderful week. Thank you, guys. Thank you for your partnership in the gospel, and uh, bless you, bless you. Yeah, amen. You can't hear me. There we go. Good evening. How are y'all doing tonight? Well, well good and well, I hope. All right? Well, we're going to minister tonight. <coughs> there is... It's almost hard sometimes to ask somebody a direct question because there's so many answers floating around. You never know if you get the one you're looking for or not. If I was to ask you why you witness to people, you might say, well, you know, it's, it's to get them saved. It's to, okay, all that's true. You know, because I love them, because I want to change their life. I want them to be blessed. All that would be true. But I would ask you, what gives you a just the confidence that you can witness to a person and that they can be converted, they can turn around, and if they do turn around, that they can get saved. You know, and what makes you think that just because they turn around and say, yeah, okay, I'll accept Jesus' sacrifice, that God will accept them? You ever think about it? I mean, it, it's so common, I mean, we've been taught so well and so strongly on salvation that we never even think about God's part on it. We just, if we can just convince the people to turn to God, it's a given that God will accept them. Isn't that right? And the way we, I mean, come on, that's just the way we feel, right? And it's true. You're right. I don't want to make you think you know, I'm fixing to surprise you with something. Okay. <laughs> no, it is true. And I just want you to think for a second just how solid you believe that if someone turns to God, He will accept them, forgive them, birth them again by the Spirit, and allow them to become His children. I mean, that's like going to the orphanage and saying, Okay, we're going to let the kids choose, and the person coming to the orphanage has nothing to do with it. But the kids can just choose if they want to be your child or not. I mean, that's it's almost the same thing. The only difference is this father has already said, "Whosoever." Right? That's the basis of it. I mean, but and we know this. We know John three sixteen. You know that's the scripture a lot of people get saved with. We know other scriptures that that tell us that God loves us and that Jesus loves us and different aspects. But if you really get down to it, the only reason you are so solid on the fact that people can get born again just by making the decision to turn toward God and making Him Lord, making Jesus your Lord, is because we have been so well taught that salvation was paid for at the cross. Right? I mean, that's we figure it's done. And the second part of that, that's the first part, but the second part, is that we've been as well taught that not only did our sins be, were paid for at the cross, but that he said, if you will come to me, if you will turn to me, I will receive you. But he said, everybody's sins were paid for. Is that right? Is there anybody that could show up at God's doorstep and say, nope, sorry, I didn't pay for your sins. Is that possible? Of course not. Why not? How do you know that? What makes you so sure? Because the Bible says so, right? The Bible, let's just look at it real quick. You can look at um, one of them, of course, is Psalm 103. That's always a good one. But we're going to go to Isaiah 53 first. Isaiah 53. I'm not going to read the whole thing there. But if you just look at Isaiah 53, starting at the beginning, starting at verse 4 actually, it says, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse 5, But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Okay, transgressions, iniquities, let's talk about sin, right? The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now notice, you go down to verse, Oh, well, you can start even at 10, there's plenty more there, but verse 10 says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, he has put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. His soul was made an offering for sin, that's what the scripture says, Right? <clears throat> now, it says, He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. <clears throat> he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Now, is that true? <clears throat> no. Oh, good. We do have water here. Good. He shall bear their iniquities. Now you notice here, it's in the future tense, or it's not yet completed. He shall do it. That means it's not done, right? This was Isaiah, what, roughly 800 years before Jesus. So you look at this, and notice he says in verse 12, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul into death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many. Amen. And made intercession for the transgressors. Now, over and over again, this is talking about what Jesus did for people, but what he did by their, for their sins. Right? <clears throat> now, this tells us, really, I mean, this is the, what people sometimes call the atonement chapter. That this tells us what Jesus did when he atoned, and that, I, that's technically not the best word for it, but it's one that's generally accepted. Which means that he took care of and technically to atone means to cover. Jesus technically didn't cover your sins. He remitted them. He removed them. Amen? That's That's one of the things that makes our covenant better than the first covenant. The first covenant, just by the blood of bulls and goats, it just covered the sin and kept the wrath of God pushed off. And they had to do it every year again and again and again. But our covenant, and this is if you read Hebrews, this is exactly what it talks about. And it says that if the first covenant could have made people perfect, there would have been no need to do the same offerings year after year after year because the first time would have done it. But the beauty of our covenant is Jesus only had to do it once. Once for all. Right? See, we always say once and for all. That's not what it says. It says once for all. He did it once for all. Amen? Now, we are so solid on that. If this was an evangelistic crusade, we would emphasize that aspect of that verse. And every Christian in here would be looking around for the unsaved and thinking, oh, we hope they get it tonight. We hope they turn their heart toward God because it is just paid for. And, And now, if we look at that, if someone walks out of an evangelistic crusade, <clears throat> if they walk out not saved, whose fault is it? Is it God's? Right. Automatically, we would say it's theirs. Isn't that right? Could be. Could be. Could be that the gospel presented is so unworthy of following that they, the one preaching it didn't convince the people that they should turn their entire life over to God. Right? So the total blame wouldn't be on the person hearing the message. Part of the blame could be on the part of the person presenting the message. Right? Now, would you accept that as kind of an overall picture of evangelism, of salvation, of the possibilities of any person being saved? Do you think that <clears throat> it could be possible that God paid for everybody's sin and God is tr- wanting to get somebody saved wanting them to turn their life around but the person presenting it does such a bad job that a person that God would easily accept if the person accepted the gospel that they don't get born again because the message was so bungled up could that be possible? now why would we be willing to accept that with salvation and not with healing? couldn't it be possible that the message of healing could get so bungled up that people don't receive it? Now, would that be their fault for not receiving it necessarily? Would it be God's fault? You no, know, it would be on the part of the presenter. Right? He said, how should they believe except somebody go and preach to them? Isn't that right? So somebody's got to go before they can preach to them, so before they can hear, before they can believe. So technically, in that aspect, salvation is on the shoulders of the people of God, the people that have the message. Amen. Right? And don't get in condemnation and don't <laughs> I'm not going that route. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to show you how how we divide salvation and healing. Right? But right here in Isaiah 53, and the reason I brought all this up is because I want you to realize you have absolutely, as a Christian, you have absolutely no hesitation Not one, I mean, not even the possibility of doubt that if a person will truly turn their life around, give it to God, accept the sacrifice of Jesus, accept the gospel of Jesus Christ, make him the Lord, that they will get born again. Is that right? right. Now, would you hesitate at all to stand up here, maybe where I'm at, and tell people, if you will accept what Jesus said, if you will accept his sacrifice tonight... Tonight, if you will do this, if you will make the decision, if you will make the uh, uh, the decision to turn your life around, if you will make a quality decision to give your life to Jesus, to accept what He did for you, to accept His substitution for you, tonight, before you walk out of here, your life will be different in the sense that you will be born again and you will have eternal life. Is, would you have any hesitation to say that? Would you say that would be a... real condensed version of the gospel as far as getting it to a person right I mean I'm not saying they would necessarily understand it I'm just saying isn't that what you would present right now what if sickness and disease was paid for at the same time the sin was paid for what if Because if it was, then couldn't you make the exact same statement? Couldn't you be just as adamant about it? Couldn't you be just as sure? Couldn't you present a gospel to the people that says, I don't care if you got sin, I don't care if you got sickness. Tonight, if you make a decision, you can walk out of here free of both. Isn't that right? Now, the reason we're so strong on the salvation part is because that's what's been preached for, you know, what, 1,500 years, well, 1,200 years anyway, roughly. You know, It, it varies, but you can look back, back in the 1,500s from then to now is what, 600 years, 500 years roughly. So, it has gradually come back. Now, the problem has been we lost so much during the dark ages. And then Martin Luther, of course, started having some light. And he brought it out. People started receiving it. It didn't go over quick. It didn't change overnight. It took centuries. Now there was things that were going around. But it took centuries for it to grab hold in the church. Right? And it took centuries before it worked its way through. To where people would just offer salvation so freely. And so easily. And so matter of factly. Now. Now. I don't want it to take centuries before the healing message is just accepted that easy. And it's not. It's grabbing hold. It's going forth. <clears throat> and and you have all, just like you have all kinds of messages of salvation, you have all kinds of messages of healing. Yeah? Some totally wrong. Some more right than others. Amen? And they're right? Just a full spectrum. But if we could look at salvation and put that same understanding toward healing then we could do it, maybe not overnight, but it would, we'd sure move a lot quicker. If we could look at this, just like David looked at Goliath and said, God was with me with the bear. He was with me with the lion. Of course, he'll be with me against this giant. If we could do the same thing with healing as we did salvation, say, it took us a long time to do that way. We didn't have to, but we did, so let's move faster with the healing. Amen? Just apply the two. Now, the only reason I'm saying this is because I want you to realize... If you offer salvation to somebody, you only have one basis. One. Right? Only one basis. The only basis of people getting saved is the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Is that right? Where was that blood poured out? On the cross. Right? Now, is there any other basis for salvation? Works law, anything. Is there any other basis? Now, we know that the Bible says that there is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. Not whereby men can be saved, must be saved. Right? So we know it's by the name of Jesus and faith in that name that people get saved, but we know that the legal basis was the crucifixion of Jesus, which happened 2,000 years ago. Is that right? Now, so if... Now think about this. If we could tie, perfectly together, salvation with healing. If we could prove that they both took place, that that the, the payment for them both took place at the same event. If we could prove, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the legal basis for healing happened at the same time, same event, that the legal basis for salvation took place then we should be just as bold about, sal- about healing as we are salvation. Right? So, that's my job tonight. My job is to convince you, according to the Scripture, that when Jesus paid for your sins, in that same event, He paid for your sicknesses and diseases. And if He did, then your job... See, if I'm a good salesman... Your job is to buy the product. Amen? If I can convince you that that's what Scripture says, that it is a legitimate offer by God, that if you will acknowledge that Jesus paid for your sicknesses and your sins, then either one you can have tonight. Amen? Amen. Now, let's look at this. Because remember, back in the States, and, and I, I just, just a couple of things here before we actually get into the Scriptures, but you can go to Isaiah 53. We're going to go to Psalm 103 at one point also. But I wanted to tie these two together very quickly. And I wanted you to realize that in the United States, we have several documents. I'm sure you have along the same lines here. I'm not that familiar with South African government. But in America, we have things like The Constitution that gives us our basic form of government. We have the Bill of Rights, okay, that tells us what our basic rights are. We have what we call the Declaration of Independence, which is when we first made that first declaration to separate ourselves from Great Britain and to be our own sovereign nation. Now, in that, it was amazing because one of those documents, and, and most of these documents were made in the late 1700s, and it was so funny because the first, one of the first ones penned actually said that all men were created equal. Isn't that amazing? And that was written by men who owned slaves. Yeah, It's amazing because that means that God can use messed up people to say the right thing. Isn't that right? And it's amazing when you look at it because some of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were bitter enemies. And yet they could agree perfectly on a form of government that should serve men and not be a tyrant over men. But you can pretty much make any document into a tyrant. And that's pretty much what religion had done with the, the Word of God. They made it into a tyrant. They made it into law. And that was all that there was to it. You do this and this and this and you'll be accepted by God. Rather than recognizing that you were accepted by God because of what Jesus did and not because of what you do. Amen? Amen. Now, <clears throat> when you look at these documents... It said that all men were created equal and everybody was supposed to be free to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That was the purpose, they said, of the formation of the United States government when they broke away from England. And yet, these men, like I said, owned slaves. Which, just as a matter of record, the first person to own a slave in America was a black person. That's a fact the first person to sue in, in uh, the courts for ownership of a person was actually a black person because they were trying to get money back for paying their way over. Is what it was. And they became their indentured slave. Right? So there, there's a lot of things that are changed there. Now, I said that for this because even though as early as 1776, 1778, in those days, men were supposed to be understood to be free and equal And then, you know, what was it, 80 years later, Abraham Lincoln stands up and makes what they call the Emancipation Proclamation. When he stands up and and basically says, All slaves in the southern states are hereby free. Now, that became law. Congress ratified it and it became law. The law of the land as of, I I believe it was actually January 1st, uh, yeah, 1863, was that all men were free. At least, especially in the southern United States. And yet, they had two more years of war. And, even though they were declared free, they didn't receive, the slaves that we're talking about here, did not receive their freedom, technically, until a hundred years later in 1963. For a hundred years, there was a document that said... These men, these people, are free. And for a hundred years, they remained as second-class citizens, didn't have voting rights, didn't have bearish rights, couldn't eat in the same restaurants, all these other things that we've heard so much about. Even though the law of the land said they were free and equal. And do you know when they became free and equal? Not when it became law. That was a hundred years before. Whenever they got fed up With not receiving the benefit of the law that was on the books. And when they got fed up and they said, you know what? That book, that law says we're free and we're equal. And I'm fed up with being treated unequal. Well, I got news for you. 2,000 years ago, Jesus poured out his blood on a cross. And he gave his back and his body to be whipped at the whipping post. To pay for your sins and to pay for your sickness and disease and to purchase your healing. Now, He won't force it on you, but He has provided it. Amen? Amen? Now, technically, we could say it's really just up to you to decide to be fed up. And when you get fed up, then you'll start to stand up, put your foot down, and demand that the enemy leave you alone. And he will have to listen because that's the legal law of the universe. Amen? Now, the reason I'm saying this is because I wanted to give you tonight the most important message on divine healing that I could possibly give you. And the most important message It's not about gifts of healings. It's not about anointings. It's not about anything like that. It is about the fact that healing is a paid-for benefit of the gospel. It was paid for by Jesus. It is legally forever settled. Right? God knows it. The devil knows it. You're the only one that has any questions about it. You understand? And the devil is hoping you don't find out. Because the minute you find out that he has absolutely no legal grounds to remain in your body, he knows his time with you is numbered. His days are numbered. His time with you is over. Amen? So if I can prove to you that your sins were forgiven, and if I can prove to you that your healing has been paid for, completely bought for see if I can prove that your healing has been purchased just as definitely as your sin has been paid for and therefore your salvation has been purchased for you if I can prove those two are identical in God's eyes and paid for at the same time and that it is a done deal then is there any reason for number one for you to remain in sin or number two remain sick right right now, think about this, because sometimes you wonder, as you, if you minister the Word of God, you wonder, you know what you're saying, and usually, hopefully, what you're saying, you believe so strongly that even when you put it out, the force you never feel like the force of your words carried the full impact of what you'd like to put out. You understand what I mean by that? If you minister, I know you know what I'm talking about. Because your whole goal is to say, I can see this so clear, and I want them to see it as clearly as I do. Because if they do, they'll grab it and run with it. Isn't that right? And so that's that's my job tonight, is to hopefully get you to see that so clearly. Because I can't say it strong enough of what Jesus went through to pay for your sin and to pay for your healing. Now, we're going to look at this. Actually, I I think I told you to go to Isaiah 53. We will go there. Go first to Psalm 103. Now, at some point, as we go through this, many of you, if if there's anything going on in your body, you should just get healed. Right? You realize you get, technically, the minute you believe, the minute you make Jesus your Lord. In other words, the minute you decide... I am going to give my life to God the minute, not up here. See, that's after the fact. But the minute you believe and decide that you're going to give your life to God, that moment you get born again. Before you even get up here. Right? A lot of times we call people down front and all that. That's to make a public confession, a public profession. But honestly, it happens the moment you believe. What? So, the moment you believe what I'm going to read to you tonight, straight from the Word of God, you shouldn't have to wait for the healing part, what we call the healing part. You ought to get healed right there. The moment you believe. Amen? Now, if that doesn't happen to you while you're sitting there, then, after the fact, we will lay hands on you and we will bring healing to you. Now, here's the difference, and this is what a lot of people don't understand. <clears throat> Nowhere in the Scripture does it say that I can force you to get saved. Nowhere. I can't put eternal life on you. Right? Can't do it. Why? Because technically eternal life requires a change of mind, a repentance, a turning around, a converting, whatever words you want to use there, but it requires a change of your life. You have to give ownership of your life over to a new master. I can't make you do that. But, that's where healing and salvation are different. Because, you can get healed on your own just believing. But if you don't, then according to Mark 16, as a believer, I have the right between me and God. you understand? It has nothing to do with you. See, your unbelief doesn't negate my faith. Right? And it doesn't negate my authority as a believer. I have the right to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Right? Whether you... Pretty much whether you believe or not. Because I'm not making... See, you don't have to have a change of life to get healed. A, 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 To get healed, all you need is a believer to lay hands on you that knows their authority, knows who they are in Christ, and they take authority over that sickness or disease. Now, that's not taking authority over your will. Right? I'm not forcing you to do anything to get healed. And I, I don't have to technically... I don't even have to get your permission to get you healed. Technically. Why? Because you don't have any more authority. See, my authority over sickness and disease and devils would extend beyond that devil having authority in your life. You understand? In other words, just because, and let's say, well, I gave that devil authority because I'm doing this or doing that. Okay. I don't believe that. I I can't find that in Scripture. But... Let's, let's just say for a second that that were true. Well, you giving that devil authority wouldn't negate my authority over that devil. You, see, because what that would be is you would be submitting to a devil or to a sickness. I'm not submitting. I'm exercising authority over. See, you're coming under that thing, and because of Jesus, I'm over that thing. So I have a right to tell that thing to go, even if you like it. Right? And if you like it, after we get rid of it, you can go get it back. Right? Matter of fact, the Bible says you'll even be seven times happier because you're going to get seven more devils worse. Okay. So what I'm trying to get across is healing really has nothing to do necessarily with you unless you decide to believe. And if you decide to believe, you can get healed. That's wonderful. I'm all for it. That's why I'm giving you the chance to get healed before we lay hands on you. Right? Because the minute you believe, you can get healed. So the minute you believe, just begin to move and do what you can do. And, why. and, if, and if you get healed or something in the middle and you recognize something happening in your body, just raise your hand and wait there. I, I probably won't call on you, but I, I'd like to know what's going on. Right? Because as the word goes forth, it says he sent his word and healed them. As the word goes out, you ought to be getting healed listening to it. So there should be something going on. Amen? Now, and if, if not, okay, then we will minister to you afterwards. All right? So now let's get back in here, and let's prove this thing. Now, but remember, this has to be the legal standing for your healing. And if we prove it that there is a legal standing for you to be healed, then there is no excuse. You can just grab the thing and run with it. And you should be just as quick to minister healing to a person as you would, or even to receive your healing, as you would to witness to a person and try to get them saved. Amen? I mean, think about it. If I can't change you, if I cannot force salvation on you in the form of eternal life, but I can command that sickness or, or disease to leave you, I should actually be quicker and more ready to minister healing than I would be to witness. Right? Because witness, you've got to get involved in it. You've got to make a decision. But healing, you don't have to, you don't have to make a decision. You don't even have, have to be involved. Right? See, one thing I don't like is variables. I don't like variables. Right? Because it's always the variable that shows up that throws everything out of whack. Right? I don't like variables. I like cut and dried. In that sense, I like law. Okay? <clears throat> don't, don't, I don't like a policeman saying, you can drive between 60 and 100 kilometers per hour. Well, what's the speed limit? Well, I'm not going to tell you. But if you pass it, I'll stop you. Okay, I'm not going to like that, right? I like cut and dried. Give me a speed and I'll drive that. Try to anyway. (laughs) Okay? So, now, Psalm 103, verse 6. Or, I'm sorry, starting in verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. Is that what it says? Forget not. Don't forget all his benefits. Verse 3. So now we're going to look at the benefits. We talked about this last night. Who forgives all thine iniquities? Is that true or false? Are you sure? you sure there's no iniquities he didn't leave out? Right? All iniquities? All means all, right? Not some. Now, I'm, I know I'm drilling this. I mean, I know, okay? But we got to, we've got to get this nailed down. Does it mean all? Are you sure? Is there any way I can talk you out of it? So... Are you saved? Yes. So should there be any consciousness of sin in your life? So you ought to be free from the consciousness of sin. Amen? You ought to be free from anything where the enemy tries to say, well, you did this because I'm ten years. There's teachings out there that says you're sick because of some sin. And then they'll have you spend the next you know, five years trying to dig out every sin. And when they can't find it, then they'll say it's something else. You know? Then, then they'll tell you it's the sin of unbelief because you're not believing them that there's a sin in you. <laughs> all right? So, now look at this. So he forgives all your iniquities. All means all, right? Okay. Who heals all thy diseases. Now, why does all thy iniquities mean all, but all thy diseases mean some? It doesn't, right? So if all means all in the first part, it means all in the second part, Right? Now, do you believe that a child could understand what I'm saying? Okay. Who forgives all iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Are there any diseases he doesn't heal? Okay, next. Who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Verse 6. The Lord executes righteousness... And judgment for all that are oppressed. For all that are not against all, for all. What does that mean? In your favor, exactly. If you're oppressed, guess what? God has judged in your favor. Now, when a judge judges in your favor, what does that mean? Charges are dropped, you win. Right? The case is dropped, it's in your favor, it means he's on your side, right? There you go, yeah. The Lord executes righteousness. In other words, He does what is right. And does what? And executes judgment for all that are oppressed. Now, Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Right? So, number one, we know here that God is not the oppressor. Right? Right? We also know that Jesus healed all that were oppressed, and that the oppressor is the devil. So, if now notice he healed, it didn't say he saved necessarily at that point, but he healed. So that means that if he healed, then oppression. If he healed the oppressed, and the oppressor was the devil, then that tells us that healing. What does healing have to do with sickness? He healed sickness, so sickness is oppression. So who brought the oppression? The devil. Sickness is oppression. Oppression is of the devil. Amen? So therefore, sickness and disease is of the devil. So if you have sickness or disease, it is not God trying to teach you anything, trying to fix you, trying to make you a better person, or anything else. It is the devil oppressing, trying to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And in the process, he is trying to kill, steal, and destroy the lives of your loved ones. Because if you're sick, they're in bondage too. We've heard that several times since we've been here from people. Today, we heard that. A woman was instantly delivered of, literally, I, I want to say crippling, but, I mean, she could move around, so I wouldn't say crippling per se, but you could tell she was in a lot of pain, and she couldn't move like she wanted to. She couldn't climb up and down the stairs. She couldn't do any of those things, and she was in pain. She was instantly set free, instantly. And you know why? Because we didn't go in there saying, what did you do to deserve this? That's right, seven years. She was that way for seven years. Seven years. They spent a lot of money on pills and things to, to make her, to ease her pain. Didn't cure, didn't set her free. Cost a lot of money. Her daughters were in bondage to that sickness because they had to wait on her hand and foot. Now, they didn't complain about it, but she was concerned about the fact that they had to be in such bondage to that. But when we went in there, we didn't go in there and say, okay, let's figure this out. Father, what is your will? Do you want her to heal? None of that. We don't go in there like that. We go in there with the idea of whatever we face in there is of the devil. God gave us authority over it. So whatever we face, we can beat. Why? Because thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. We go in there with authority. We go in there with dominion. We don't go in there guessing. You know why? Because we are convinced that what I'm going to tell you tonight is the absolute truth. And if I'll be honest with you, if I knew nothing else about healing, this would be enough. And I can tell you, as God is my witness, when I minister healing, this is what i 'm thinking about, not anything else, not whether you deserve it, don 't deserve it, whether god de- whether I deserve for God to use me, nothing all i 'm thinking is, bless God, Jesus paid for it by his stripes. they were healed, and now it 's time they walk in that because the Emancipation proclamation of of healing of the sick, of the oppressed was delivered two thousand years ago when he hung on that cross and said it is finished. And so we look at that and we say, "Bless God, it's been two thousand years. That's too long. And today is the day of salvation. One more day in bondage is a miscarriage of justice." Amen. And you, let me tell you, once you realize this and how the enemy has lied and convinced you to accept this thing and call it your sickness, my arthritis, my... Rheumatism, my cancer, my all that, that's a lie, it's not yours. It's an enemy of God. An enemy of you understand? It's God's enemy that has been put on you by God's enemy to destroy you. Not to and now think about it. If it made you a better person, how come Jesus was never sick? Because he was perfect. Isn't that right? I mean, come on, think about this. If healing, if sickness is God's will, why don't we ever see Jesus putting it on anybody? He said, I have come to do, in the volume of the book it is written of me, I have come to do your will. Well, if if Jesus is a perfect expression of God's will, how come he never once said, keep it? Matter of fact, God's got a special, he wants you really anointed. We're going to put a double portion of cancer on you. We want you double blessed. So special. There you go. You see how ridiculous that is. But how upside down the church has been that they've actually taught that at times. And I can honestly tell you, most of the time it's just because they didn't have power to set the people free. So we make excuses. And then once we make an excuse, then we go to the Bible to try to find some scripture that we can pull out that has nothing to do with that to make that seem like it says that. And people are doing that right now today with other doctrines and other practices in the church and they're finding some obscure verse that was never meant to talk about that or to, to be used about what they're talking about. See, the key to, to Bible interpretation is context. You have to know what they're talking about and not just pull a verse out. I mean, think about that. If if I was going to do that, I could pull out a verse and justify anything I wanted to do. Yeah. I could I could justify, you know, picking up a rock and throwing it at you. Right? Yeah, I could find, I could find something, I could say, have you ever lied? Have you ever done this? Have you how many of you I could say, who in here is, is divorced and remarried? Well oh oh well see adulterous. Right? I could find a reason, I could find some something. But we need to realize Jesus paid for your salvation. And he paid for your healing. Why? Because every good employer knows that a well employee works harder than a sick one. Right? God's not stupid. He did not want sick employees. Right? I mean, think about it. Even under the old covenant, the, the Bible tells us to make our bodies a living sacrifice to God. Is that right? Romans 12, 1, 1 and 2. It says, present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God. Right? He says, which is your reasonable service. So your body is a sacrifice a living sacrifice to God. Is that right? Yeah. Not a dying one. A living one. Well, even under the old covenant, the sacrifice had to be perfect and without blemish. And you're going to offer God, I give you my body. I know it's racked with cancer and there's pain and but it's all yours. I can just see him. Gee, thanks. Because he wants to dwell in you and live in you. You're supposed to be a habitation of God by the Spirit. He wants He's supposed to live in you. You're gonna give him some house that it ain't gonna last much longer? You know? You're gonna give him you're gonna give him a car to drive around in that you're not sure if it's gonna start. Come on. You know why I'm in the ministry today? Really? You know what you know what you know when I decided to get in the ministry? I sat down one day because I've I've been in various businesses and and jobs and things like that and you know some paid better than others and some were more prestigious than others and all that kind of stuff. But you know what convinced me to really get into ministry that I that I should do this. Now let me maybe I would ask you this first because you might not think I ought to be in the ministry. <laughs> okay, this this might not be a big deal to you. Okay, <laughs> so. But would, would you say, those of you that know me, that we've been around and I've talked? Would, would you at least say, I believe you to be a man of God? Yeah. Okay? Alright. Now, the reason I'm saying that is because... You might not believe that after I tell you this. Okay? <laughs> I sat down one day. I, I recognized... I went to an employment place one time to find employment. And they, and they gave me all these tests and said, you know, to figure out my qualities and, and you know, my skills, aptitudes, yeah. To see where I'd be best. And they said, it looks like from this, they didn't even really talk to me, they just had me fill this thing out. And they said, based on this, it looks like you'd be best in this kind of field. I said, okay. And then I was in various other jobs and different things. And one day, while I was in one of those jobs, I sat down and I thought, you know, I was reading the Bible and I read where it said that, that I should do unto others as I would have done to me. And I started looking at that and I started thinking, how am I supposed to do that? And then I realized, I figured out that God is at least as smart as the Employment Commission. Right? That they wanted to put me where I was best suited. And so whenever I started looking at where God wanted me, because I wanted to be where God wanted me, I realized, because here was the deal, I had read, again, Charles Finney, and he said that every Christian should devote themselves to do the most good for the most people for the longest period of time for the will of God. So I said, okay, here I am working this job. Now, how much good am I doing? Can I honestly say that I'm doing the most good for the most people for the longest time by doing this job? As opposed to preaching the gospel. And I realized, at that time I was actually working in a restaurant I was managing a a, a restaurant. And I realized I'm feeding people for a short period of time. I'm only feeding a few people that's going to get hungry again in a couple of hours. (laughs) So I figured I wasn't doing the most good for the most people for the longest time. And then I compared that to the gospel. And I thought, where I can feed them food here or I can feed them living bread to dying men that will give them life for eternity. And I said, I should be in ministry. And then I started ministering every, every chance I got. And then, of course, we started... By that time, I was definitely seeking out healing and answers to healing. But from that time to this, I've never really doubted my call to ministry. I didn't have a light from heaven. Didn't have a voice say, you know, go into the world. No, I read the Bible. I believe God meant what he said. I believe if God is God, he's big enough to get across in a language I can understand what He wants me to do, and that it doesn't have to be something special. The will of God should be the same for everybody right it should, I mean now I'm not saying individual professions what I'm not saying you know go everybody go quit your jobs. If you did, we might get this thing wrapped up faster i don't know okay not, not saying do that, okay but I realized that God's will, if He wrote it here, if this book doesn't tell me what to do, why do I need it? Right? In Psalm, was it? Uh, Psalm 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever, O Lord, forever, thy word is settled. That means it ain't going to change. That means it's solid. Right? So when I, when I read in Psalm 103, verse 6, that God has executed judgment for the oppressed, I started looking at that. Those are all... Judicial terms. They are legal terminology. So when I started looking up these words and, and looking at it, I realized, and, and actually we had some friends that were in, in various legal professions, and it's amazing because what's being described here, and especially what is proven in Acts 10.38, where it says that Jesus went about doing good, healing all the oppressed devil. You know what that's called? In legal terms, this is called a class action suit. In other words, you don't have to be personally named to be in this. You just have to be harmed by the same product to get in on the lawsuit, right? Well, every person who is oppressed is harmed by the same person, Satan. So, when Jesus gave his back to be whipped and beaten, and by his stripes we're healed, that was a class action suit and every person who has, who is, or has been sick or diseased is eligible to be included in that suit. And so, when God rendered judgment for the oppressed, everybody in that lawsuit gets free, right? And so, basically, all you have to do is decide this: Are you included in that lawsuit, right? Now, it's real easy to find out. Would you be included in the class action suit for salvation? Well, yeah, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So are you a whosoever? Yep, there you are. All right. It's the same thing with healing. Now look at this. Watch. Go to Isaiah fifty three. I'm going to show you something and I don't want to I don't want to get real technical, but I am going to have to use a couple of terms here. Right? So just kind of stick with me. If you're looking in in your Bible, if you don't well, you wouldn't have a manual here for you, but you don't need it necessarily. But if you have a Bible and you're looking at Isaiah 53, I'm going to use some words. I'm going to, it's going to take a minute to explain them, but then I'll time them together. Okay? In verse 4, and we could read the whole thing. Actually, let's just start at verse 1 because it's not that long. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Alright? So, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Whoever believes their report. Right? That's to whom the arm of the Lord is revealed. So if you want the arm of the Lord revealed to you, just believe his report. So, for he, talking about Jesus, shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men. Why? So you don't have to be. See, he's despised and rejected so you can have favor It says, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Now, this ties directly in with what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when he talks about not discerning the body of Christ. You esteem him not. You don't recognize what he did here. If you don't recognize what he did at the cross, you can't get saved. And if you don't recognize what he did at the whipping post, generally, you won't get healed unless it's brought to you by another believer who exercises kingdom and dominion over that thing. But if you're going to stay healed and walk in this, you're going to have to decide to believe it. Amen? We can get you free, but you've got to keep yourself free. Now, and if you'll believe what I'm telling you tonight, you can stay free. We were talking about this the other night. Uh, somebody said something about flu or something like that and my daughter was asking me and we started talking about it and my daughter can never remember seeing me sick. Right? Why? Because I live in divine health. Amen? That's the goodness of God. That's not a special anointing. That's the goodness of God. I believe His Word. You can believe His Word and live free of sickness and disease. It's great to get healed when you get sick. It's even better to be able to walk to the midst of sickness and never get it. Amen. Amen. It's one thing to try to avoid it and avoid everybody with it. You know, oh, don't cough for me. Don't sneeze. Me. I don't want to touch that doorknob because you know somebody might have. You know. But it's much better to be able to walk in there. And I, I went in one place one time. It was so funny. got this little little kid, little little child, beautiful little baby, was. I mean, I didn't know the child was sick. Child was sick, burning up with fever. I should have been able to tell, but a lot of kids have facial liquids. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and this kid had a lot of them. Okay? And I keep looking back, and the baby's just playing, and, and I was standing there, and I had a Coke. And this child is just, you know, playing everything. And I'm watching that because I love babies anyway. And then I finally get a good look at this baby's face. And I mean everywhere. Okay? And every time the baby would touch it, would be like from here to there. And green. Okay? Just had to give you a color so you can get a real visual. Okay? It was not pleasant. And I looked and I thought, oh, that's somebody needs to wipe the baby's nose. You know? and the child was only about I don't know, it, was, it was two or less right around two and it was so funny because I'm standing there and kind of playing you know at a distance you know one, one, one thing back you know it's, it's one chair back so I couldn't really reach it I'm standing there and drinking my coke and you know waving at the baby and it's laughing and, and, started, and I noticed it wasn't looking at me it was looking at my coke that baby wanted my coke and, I, and I, I'm looking and I'm like oh, your mama's not going to want you to have this and she said, oh, that's okay. <laughs> right? And the baby takes the Coke, you know, and it, it, it had a drinking problem. You know, it couldn't find its mouth, you know? <laughs> and so, and the funny thing was, everybody's watching because, you know, I'm the healing guy. Right? So, then and I'm thinking because there's only that much coke left, not that much. There you go. Baby drinks it, you know. And then baby drinks it like this, and then. <laughs> now I can tell you I wasn't worried about the germs, but I was pretty sure that if I tried to drink it, it was going to slip off my face. Yeah, <laughs> because it was already pretty slimy. Okay, but I'm I'm looking. I'm like, and I mean, you you can you can see. Okay, and I'm standing there, and my wife was looking at me, and they're like, my wife said, you know, you you get you a napkin, you know, get your hand. I'm like, because everybody's looking at me. I'm like, <laughs> drink it down. Why? But do you know that that spoke to them? Why? Because I'm not afraid of catching what that baby had. You understand? I'm not, and later on, I ended up praying for the baby. baby who had fever. was really hot. And I've done things like that on purpose. Listen. You think I enjoy that? <laughs> okay. I don't enjoy that, okay? Any more than you would. But here's the deal. When I was looking for someone that said they believed the Bible. I was looking for a hero. I was looking for somebody that would stand up and go, this is true, this is working, follow me. And if I'd have found somebody like that, I would have followed them. I'd have jumped in there and said, let's go, I'll back you up, I'm with you, let's go. And eventually I was blessed by God to actually find, toward the end of his life, that man, his name was Lester Sumrall. So I got to. And he was a hero of the faith. But heroes aren't heroes because they have no fear and they they don't feel what you feel. Elijah and all those guys, men of like passion, they have the same feelings you do. The only difference is they don't let those feelings get in their way of doing what they have to do. Well, I decided a long time ago, the church needs heroes. If I can't find one, I'll be one. Literally, I made that decision. So I do things on purpose. I don't like doing everything I do. But I do it anyway because I have to lead by example. And I do it so that other people will say, Curry did it so I can do it. You know, there's times I've done things that I was not all that sure I was going to live through. But I did. And now I've got great testimonies. Right? See, sometimes there has to be people that will rise up and just be an example. But don't think that, that it's easy. Well, you make it look so easy. You, you know, it's easy for you to do that. Because... No, it's not. Everybody's the same. Everybody likes comfort. Everybody doesn't like doing all this stuff, you know, different things. Nobody likes telling somebody this person didn't have to die. That's not convenient. It's not, it doesn't feel good. But somebody has to stand up and, and take, take God's side. And defend God. we talk about that today? If 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 there's failure in healing, I take the blame for it. Now, do I do I understand everything? No. Do I know everything about healing? Of course not. But I would rather take the blame and have a parent who I couldn't get their child healed or a loved one couldn't get their you know, loved one healed and that person dies I would rather that person be mad at me and put the blame on me than to put the blame on God and possibly turn away from God you turn away from me you get mad at me so what? that's not going to cost you eternity but you get mad at God and there may be no hope for you I'd rather, I'd rather take the blame Right? and figure the thing out at some point and go, oh, that's what it was Okay, because honestly I don't believe God's to blame I believe he's done everything he can possibly do to get the perfect gospel to us Amen. and through the years the enemy, we've got to remember we have an enemy that's always looking to make inroads into the gospel to try to weaken it and try to make us weaker not to try to kill us but to make us bad examples for the rest of the world so that nobody else wants this gospel and has done a good job of it but at some point, we have to just decide to believe this. Now, I've got to get into this because I want you to see. This. Just, it's real simple. This stuff is so simple. And it's why I'm so adamant about healing. See, if this was not here, even if I understood all this other stuff about healing and what Jesus said here and the words He used here and this here and all the healings He did, if this was not a fact, I could not have any type of conviction to be able to stand and say... Jesus Christ has paid the price. By His stripes you were healed. So devil, get out. Cancer, go. See, we are to pray the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith knows the answer from the beginning. It's not the prayer of hope. And if you're not convinced that healing has been paid for, and by His stripes all healing has been paid for, then you can, if there's one person that His stripes doesn't cover for their healing, then you cannot pray the prayer of faith. You can only pray the prayer of hope. You can only hope that God's in a good mood today. You can only hope that today is their day. Right? God is not a lottery. He is not a roulette wheel. Or a slot machine. He never changes. There is no shadow of turning. There is only light, truth. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Lord God. He changes not. His name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth thee. He never stopped being that. And no person, no group, no organization has a right to change his name. Amen? Amen. You must get as solid about healing as you are about salvation. And when you do, you will be much bolder and quicker to jump in the middle of situations and say, I know the will of God in this. Let's do this. Real simple. Not, well, let's pray and fast and see what God's going to do. Nothing wrong with praying and fasting but not to see what God's going to do. He's already told you what He's going to do. He is the most predictable personage in the universe. The Lord God is always going to do what's right. And what's right is that Jesus not bear the stripes in vain. Amen? Amen. Alright, look at this. Verse 4. Surely He hath, past tense, born... Our griefs. The word born there in the Hebrew is a Hebrew word, Nasa. Nasa. Right? Remember that word, Nasa, means born. He has borne our griefs. He has nasa our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now remember the word carried. The word carried is a Hebrew word, Sabal or Chabal. Okay? Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. When he hung on that cross, when he, when he was at that whipping post, they didn't think that what he was doing it for them. They thought that he was cursed of God. Which is another aspect of the sorrow that went along with it. Now, watch, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgression. So it's talking about sin again, right? Now, just so you know what we're talking about here, if you have your Bible, go ahead, and you, if you're in Isaiah, that's fine. But hold your place and go to Matthew very quickly. Matthew, very quickly. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. And if you read all of 8, and I read part of 8 the other day, and it talks about the centurion, it talks about Peter's mother-in-law getting healed. I mean, it's just healing, 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 healing. Okay. Then in verse 16, it says, When the evening was come, They brought unto him, Jesus, many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Didn't heal some, healed all. Just like Psalm 103 says. Right? Now watch. Why did he do that? Oh, verse 17. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now, notice... Looking at something here, real quick. Yep. In, here he is quoting Isaiah 53. And he says, as the prophet Isaiah said, now it said he healed all so that he could fulfill what Isaiah said. So that means that what Isaiah said must have something to do with this. And he's quoting Isaiah 53, 4. Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. But here in Matthew it says that the, remember the Spirit of God spoke through Matthew and had Matthew write these words down. So this is not Matthew's commentary on Isaiah 53. This is God's divine commentary on Isaiah 53. Right? And he says, what? That it, he healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. But if you read Isaiah 53, 4, you don't see infirmities or sicknesses there. At least in the King James and the English version, you don't see that. Why? Because the Hebrew of the words griefs and sorrows means literally infirmities, sicknesses, and diseases. All right? So when you read Isaiah 53, 4, you should say, Surely he has borne, Nassau, our griefs, our what? Our griefs, our infirmities, our sicknesses, our diseases. And then says, and carried our sorrows. What? Our diseases, our maladies. So what he's talking about in Isaiah 53, 4 is about sickness and disease. Not just griefs and sorrows. Not just, you know, head things. Sickness and disease, Right? According to Matthew eight sixteen, that's what it says. That's what he's quoting. Now watch, he says, so that it might be fulfilled that which he said. He he. And now notice, I want to go back. He healed all, so that that scripture could be fulfilled. If he didn't heal all, that scripture couldn't be fulfilled. That's right. right now, that means that when it says, "Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our infirmities," as it says, and carried our sorrows, that means that he's talking about all of them. None left out, right? Now, now go down to verse 11. It says, He shall see the travail of his soul, shall be satisfied, and by his knowledge shall my righteous servant, servant justify many, for he shall bear, and the word bear there is the word chabal, same word used up in verse 4 for carried. So bear is the same word in Hebrew. Same word, get this, Right? Now, what's he talking about? He shall bear their iniquities. So, apparently, whatever he did in verse 4 with our sicknesses, he also did with our iniquities. Same word. Now, the two Hebrew words here, Nassau and Chabal, mean literally, they're, they're called synonyms. They're two different words that mean the same thing. Okay? Just different words used. But they both mean this for one to carry as a punishment for another so that the other does not have to carry it. Isn't that what he did with our sins? He bore our sins so we don't have to carry them. Is that right? Because if that's not true, then you can never be free of your sin and technically you would never be born again, right? He bore our sins so we don't have to. He bore our sins as a punishment because he didn't deserve it. But he bore our sins as a punishment so we don't have to. Right? Now, isn't that the basis of salvation? Right. Let's go on. Notice the next part. Therefore, I will divide... Verse 12. Isaiah 53, 12. Therefore, will, will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare... Now, that's the word Nassau used up there in verse 4 for born. Same word. He bare the sin of many. Right? So, both times, both words mean that he bore our iniquities, he bore our sins. He carried carried our sins and our iniquities as a punishment so we don't have to. Right? Now, those are the same words used in verse 4. Right? Same words. That he used for carrying our infirmities and taking away and bearing our sicknesses and diseases. So, what according to this scripture right here, whatever he did with our sins, he did with our sicknesses. Is that right? Do you agree with that? Whatever he did with our sins, he did with our sicknesses. Whatever he did with our iniquities, he did with our diseases our infirmities. Amen? Amen? Now, we charismatic, Pentecostal, spirit-filled, whatever, whatever term you want to use, have believed in healing, you know, really, especially since the early, late 1800s, you can see a lot of it coming in stronger and stronger through various people. But this, we've been very polite because we've never made a big deal out of it. We've never made, you know, and we've made a big deal out of healing, but we've never emphasized this. We've never emphasized, and even though people say, well, yeah, I've heard that before. And, uh, let me finish. We've said, get saved, and it doesn't matter if you get healed. We'd like you to get healed, but it doesn't matter. Right? It's good to be healed. It's there. Just like you got saved, you can get healed. Isn't that right? I mean, that's, what, that's what we said before. But we have to realize something. Here, it says clearly that whatever he did with our sins, he did with our sicknesses. Do you believe that? Okay. Then could we say it the other way? Whatever he did with our sicknesses, he did with our sins. Wouldn't that be the same thing? Now, let me ask you this. Do you believe he carried your sins as a punishment so you don't have to? Yeah, you do if you got saved, right? Then I would say, okay, then, but do you believe that he carried your sicknesses as a punishment so you don't have to? Because if you believe that, according to the scripture, there is no ifs, ands, or buts. There is no leeway. You understand? There's no amount where you can say, but but you don't understand, my case is special. God doesn't heal me because he's trying to teach me something. God doesn't heal me because of this thing in my life or that thing, right? Because the minute you say that, then you would also say, but God hadn't saved me because of this thing. Because God, maybe I'm a special case. Maybe God hadn't really saved me. I mean, I did everything He said to do. I confessed Jesus. I turned my life. I I turned around. I converted. All this stuff. But if you're a special case for healing, why aren't you a special case for salvation? Right? See, whatever He did with your sins, He did with your sicknesses. If you, now, let me say it this way. See, we've been very nice in charismatic circles about healing. We've said, we've not made a big deal about you having to get healed. But here, the two are tied together. So, if, how can you believe you're saved because, based on what he did and not be healed because of what he did? Do you understand? Do you understand? He did both. So in other words, what I'm saying is, by your decision, you're deciding. Now, remember, I've said this over and over again for some reason while I'm here. Let no man put asunder what God has joined together. Right? What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. That's the way the scripture says it. Quit separating the two. What Jesus did with your sins, he did with your sicknesses. If he carried your sins, he carried your sicknesses. Don't think that he carried your sins and left. This sickness is here. Is there sin out there in the world? Could anybody here get up and go out there and sin? You could. You could go out there and sin, right? You could just choose to do it, right? And it's a choice. Well, guess what? There's sickness out there too. People say, well, if if Jesus did away with it, how come it's still out there? Well, Jesus bore sins, but how come there's still sin out there? Why? Because people haven't put their foot down and said, "I'm, I'm fed up. I'm tired of sin. And when they do, they get saved. And when you do that with sickness, you get healed, right? Now the reason I'm saying this is because I want you to understand what He did with your sin, He did with your sickness. You don't have a right to break the two apart. The two should come together. You understand what He did with one, He did with the other, and you can see this because over and over again it says it. Oh, it says it here. It says it in Matthew eight sixteen, and then we know that something happened because. And it's funny because if I I misquoted a verse, somebody would call me on it. But here in Isaiah 53 it says, And by whose stripes, and with his stripes we are healed. Now when Peter quoted this in 1 Peter 2.24, he said, By whose stripes ye were healed. Past tense. Actually misquoted the scripture. Right? You say, well, he misquoted it? Well, he misquoted according to how it was written. But the difference was it was being fulfilled by Jesus on the cross, and that made it from present tense in Isaiah 53 to past tense. So something happened between. Actually, we know something happened between Matthew 8:16 and 1 Peter 2:24 to take it from present tense to past tense, and that thing was the cross. It was the whipping post. Now understand the whipping post and the cross was the same event, but separate things, right? How many of you know that whenever Jesus went to be whipped, when Pilate sent him to be scourged, that he actually was whipped and then Pilate wanted to send him away? So we know it's two separate events. Right? That means, now imagine what if Jesus had bore the stripes but had been set free and not crucified? Then we could be healed, but we couldn't be saved. Right? Right? Because why? Because by his stripes we're healed. See, you're going to have to believe the word of God. By his stripes we're healed. Amen? That's the legal reason. Now, did he bear the stripes? Then you're healed. Right? As far as God is concerned. In other words, God doesn't have to say anything. He did not have to do anything. Whenever, did he bear your sins on the cross? When did he do it? 2,000 years ago. When did you get saved? When you decided to believe it and you took that as meaning for you. Is that right? Did you have to ask God's permission on it in that sense? Did you have to get God to agree? Did God have to send you a special word to tell you, I mean you? No. no, no. No. Why? Because it was for whosoever. Well, it's the same thing with healing. Your healing has been provided provided for and now all you have to do is decide it's mine. It's mine. Right? Now, one last thing, and this is it. Go to First Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 11. Now, there are churches out there that do not believe in healing, in what's called divine healing in the atonement. Right? I generally try to change that and say divine healing in Jesus' sacrifice, divine healing in Jesus' redemption, something like that. But there are churches that do not believe... That Jesus, when he bore the stripes, that we were physically healed. Just as when he was on the cross, we were spiritually saved. Right? There are groups that do not believe that and churches that preach that that is not true. Alright? Now, here's my question. Watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Start about verse 23. It says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Right? So what did he do first? Broke the bread and said, eat this, this is my body broken for you. Now, for some time in, in the past years, churches have taught basically that, here, he's talking, and you'll see this in just a minute. Actually, I'll probably just save it for that so you can see it better. But you'll notice he took the bread first, and immediately afterwards, it said, after the same manner, in verse 25, also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Right? In remembrance. That's the big deal. Remember me. Remember me when you eat this bread. And remember me whenever you drink this cup. And churches across the board partake in what's called the Lord's Supper or in communion. Then he says, For as often as you eat this bread. What what are you eating? Bread, right? That's what he says. And drink this cup. You do show the Lord's death till he come. Now, did Jesus... Did his body stay alive, and his spirit or soul die? His body died, didn't it? Okay. Wherefore, verse twenty-seven, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Verse twenty-seven. Wherefore, whosoever. Now, remember, remember, tell Osborne. Whosoever means you-soever, right? So it, this refers to you. Is that right? Whosoever shall eat this bread. What what is that bread? Represents his body, is that right? It's his body broken for you. Okay. And drink this cup of the Lord unworthily. Not unworthy. Unworthily. In other words, unworthy means you don't deserve to drink it. Unworthily means you do it in the wrong manner. Right? They shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So it's pretty important that we know how to do it, right? But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Let who examine you? You examine yourself. Okay. For he that eats and drinks unworthily, not knowing what's going on, eats and drinks condemnation, or damnation is the King James, to himself. Why? Not discerning the Lord's body. Not the Lord's blood. See, if you're a Christian, you have no problem understanding that the cup represents the blood. Is that right? No Christian drinks the cup not understanding that that represents the Lord's blood. But here's the problem. Watch what he says. Now, what are we talking about here? Not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause. For what cause? Not discerning the Lord's body. Many are weak and sickly among you. Now, is he talking about spiritual sickness or physical sickness? Physical sickness. Watch. And and many sleep. That means prematurely die. And and he's not talking about spiritual death, he's talking about physical death. He says, because you don't discern the Lord's body, many of you are sick and many of you are dying prematurely. Right? Why? Just by not partaking, not understanding how to partake of the Lord's Supper. That's why. Now now get this. Isn't it funny? When we eat the Lord's Supper, we eat the bread first, like he did, and then we drink the cup. Isn't it strange that he was whipped and his body was striped and broken before his blood was poured out on the cross? Exact correlation. Right? Now now notice his body now, when it said here, notice when he was whipped and beaten, he said, This is my body broken for you. Well, we've tried to say, Well, now the Lord is talking about his body, the church. No. When was the church broken for you? Never. Never. The church had never been broken for you. Never. Right? But his body was. When was it? On that whipping post. Because by his stripes, you were healed. And many people in church today will sit there and they'll eat the bread, the cracker, whatever it is. They'll drink the cup and they're sick and they never think about it. And what is amazing to me is that this bread represents His body whipped and beaten where He bore the stripes for you and He took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses for you as a punishment so you don't have to, just as He poured out His blood on the cross as a punishment for your sins so that you don't have to. And yet there are churches that will tell you that healing has passed away. There are churches that will tell you, well, this doesn't apply to that, and yet they still... Do communion. They still eat the bread. They still drink the cup. And I I would ask them. Why are you eating the bread? If you don't believe in healing. Why would you eat the bread? Because the bread represents his body. Broken for us. And because we don't recognize that. We don't discern that body broken for us. Because of that. There are weak and sick people in the church. And many are dying prematurely. So what does that tell us? if you know what that blood what that cup and what that bread represents every time you take communion there should be life his spirit should be quickening you we shouldn't even need healing services not for christians healing services should be for literally for the unsaved as a sign of god's presence mark 16:18 to 20 it should be a sign and Christians shouldn't have to have shouldn't have to chase down a man somewhere to get their hand, like like Brother Mark said at the beginning, shouldn't have to chase down people. Look for an anointing, chase somebody down. It should be them having communion with their Lord, recognizing that you poured out your blood for me. Your back was whipped for me. By your stripes I'm healed. We have seen so many healings in communion. Goiters disappear. I mean, something you could put your hand up, couldn't even put it around. You had to grab it. Was in this woman's throat, and we took communion. I told him, I said, you take that bread, you hold it up, and you say this with me, and you believe this right now. And they, we did. And the woman took the bread, put it in the mouth, and all of a sudden, doubled over and started screaming and gagging. I can't You know, I thought I was fixing to, to cast out a devil. Thought she was manifesting, and instead, she's there for a few, and all of a sudden she. She raises up. When she does, she's just got skin hanging there where this thing is gone. Why? And then she starts telling us what's going on. She said, when I put that bread in my mouth and I said, by your stripes I'm healed. When that happened, she said all of a sudden Jesus appeared, grabbed it, and started squeezing that until it exploded and disappeared. Amen. Completely healed by communion. That is God's plan. I told y'all when I first got here, one of the first things I mentioned was that there's four ways of healing for people. Mark 16 for unbelievers. James 5 for new believers. They call for the elders of the church. They come, they anoint them with oil. The elders pray the prayer of faith and the Lord will raise them up. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 for carnal believers in this sense. People that have to feel something, taste something, you know, have to have some, some tangible way of doing it. But Romans 8 is for mature believers. That spirit that dwells in you, that raised up Christ Jesus, will quicken your mortal body. Those are the four stages of growth and the four ways that you can be healed. It's as simple as that. Right? Believers shouldn't need hands laid on them. However, we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen? Now, Do you see... that? Now, if I was sitting there and didn't have my... Concordance in my Greek and Hebrew dictionary it may be a little hard for me to understand all this because we've gone through so much in the Hebrew words and all that but I will tell you this we have seen thousands of people healed thousands from everything from sniffles to dead we've seen nine come back from the dead the first been my own daughter We have seen everything, people from the very brink of death, lying in hospitals on on respirators that were brain dead, had been brain dead for 13 days. We have seen every degree of death healed. Every sickness, every part of the human body, we have seen either healed and in many cases replaced by the power of God. that, That is how good God is. But it's not because he's sitting in heaven and he's got his hand on me to the point where he says, well, I'm just going to bless you and do whatever you ask me to do. It's not because I'm specially anointed. It is because we believe the Scriptures. It is because we are believers that we lay hands on the sick and they do recover. It is because we are absolutely, unequivocally committed and convinced that what Jesus did with your sins, He did with your sicknesses. And we firmly believe that if we lay hands on you and we drive this sickness or disease out of you, then it's only natural that the goodness of God would draw you to repentance and you'd want to serve this God and then you would actually draw to Him and receive forgiveness of your sins. Because that's the way Jesus did it. Jesus never told anybody, get saved, then I'll pray for you. Number one, He couldn't. He hadn't poured out His blood. Everybody Jesus healed were sinners. Jesus never dealt with a Christian. He never dealt with a person that was right. You understand? He always dealt with sinners. So if sin stops the power of God, then Jesus couldn't have healed anybody. If your sin could stop the power of God, then Jesus could not have healed a single person because they were all sinners. So the power of God can set you free sinner or saint anywhere in between the two and everybody in this room fits somewhere in that category from sinner to saint so is there any reason why anybody here should not be healed can anybody think of any reason at all why you shouldn't be healed there we go he said the court finds in favor of everybody Amen? So it's time for the oppressed to go free. Amen? Amen. You've been in bondage too long. Imagine if you would have never, imagine if you could have been born knowing this. Imagine that. Now, I I know a baby can't know that, but I'm saying imagine. Okay, let's say you can't know it the first time you were born, but you can sure know it the second time. Amen? You might not have been able to start your natural life sickness-free, disease-free, but you can sure live your second life sickness-free and disease-free. Amen? Let's all stand up. All right. How many of you know what I have told you tonight is the gospel? A.B. Simpson wrote a book called The Gospel of Healing. It's a good book. Very balanced, good book. There is a gospel of healing. And there is a good news of healing. There is one gospel of Jesus Christ, and that one gospel includes absolute freedom from sin, sickness, disease, poverty, oppression, you name it. God wants you totally, absolutely, completely free. God has paid for your freedom from mental anguish, from grief, from all of these, from anything, spirit, soul, or body, He wants you free. He gave His Son so you can be free. And He loved His Son. Now, we all know He loved the world so much that He sent His Son. But He loved His Son so much that He says, there's not a person on this world that can be so Sin infested so bad that my son's blood will not cover. And he also said, there is not one person on the face of this earth that can have such a bad disease or so many diseases or so much wrong with them that the stripes on my son's back cannot and did not heal. So it's just time to be free. Amen? Jesus is our Jubilee. The year of Jubilee, everybody went free. Why don't we make that tonight? Because today is a day of salvation. Amen? Amen. You ready to get free? Let's get free. Repeat this after me. Say, Father, Father, in Jesus' name, name, I believe Your Word. I believe believe what I've heard tonight. That it's the Gospel. That gospel. that That it is what You have said. I believe Your Word. I believe believe that by the blood of Jesus, Jesus. I am free, free. saved. I'm free from sin. Sin has no dominion over me. me. And I believe believe that by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed healed. 2,000 years ago. ago. It's a law. It's It's in effect. effect. The devil can't violate it. Anymore. He cannot stay in me, on me, or around me. He has no right in me. Because my Lord has absolute authority. And He has passed that authority in His name onto me. So, right now, in the name of Jesus, sickness. Disease, Disease, sin, sin, poverty, poverty, grief, grief, mental anguish, mental mental problems, problems, every aspect aspect, of oppression, oppression, right now, now. leave my body, body, now, now. go, Go. in Jesus' name. Now, right now, worship Him and begin to move. Do what you couldn't do before. Begin to move. If you couldn't walk, walk. If you couldn't run, run. If you couldn't breathe, breathe. But so right now, in the name of Jesus, I set you free. In Jesus' name. Amen. By His stripes, be healed now. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? Now, right now, just spend a moment worshiping Him. Thanking Him for, all, for, for just the truth of His Word. Because like I said, when this becomes more real than what you can see, what you see will change to match this. Right now. Right now. Now, if you want believers to lay hands on you, we will gladly do so. All right. If you want that. We have no problem with that. We we expect it. Okay? So if we can, if you want that, right now, I'm going to call for two classes of people. Number one, I'm going to call for you if you're sick. Diseased? anything going on in you, you want hands laid on you, I'm going to ask you to come forward. And if you will, stand about halfway in the middle of this thing, just right across here. Give us room up here to maneuver. Right? But if you want that, come on forward. And the second class of people, if you have been trained to minister healing, then I want to get you up here to actually help us minister. Right? Get you up here on the front to actually minister. There you go, man. The power of God is so powerful and so mechanical that Jesus could walk through crowds and without any effort on his part a person could come up behind him and grab his garment and be healed without him exerting any effort without him even knowing who did it because he turned around and said who touched me? That means that God didn't have a certain time and a certain place for that woman to get healed. It didn't even say that God had set that time. The woman set the time of her healing. She decided, because she said within herself, if I touch his garment, I'll get healed. Now right now, as you come up and you line up, you ought to be saying in yourself, the minute they touch me, I will be healed. Amen? You can set the time for your own healing. Don't let the devil try to convince you that God's got a certain time and a special place in a certain way and all that. His cert- God's certain time and place was Calvary. His certain time is today. Amen. Amen? Today is the day of salvation. Right now. Right now. Now, here's what I want y'all to do. Those of you that are lined up in here, I want you to do this. <clears throat> I want you to say this with me. Now, here's what we're going to do. Those of you that are going to be ministering, as soon as we finish this, I want you to start going down through them. No, no, um, no talking, no prayer, nothing. Right? Just walk through. Now, all, all I want you to say, if you put your hands on them, is something along the lines of, be free, be healed, something like that. All right? No prayer, no asking, no talking to them. You don't even have to know what they have. Jesus didn't even know what the woman with the issue of blood had. He didn't, know who, he didn't know anything about her, but she pulled it out of him. That's what's going on here. They've come and requested. So here's what we're going to do. And here's how, here's how you're going to pull it. Right? The woman said within herself, if I but touch you with a garment, I'll be healed. Right? Well, we're going to do it a little bit different in the sense that you're going to say it a little bit different. You're going to say, instead of you touching us, we're going to touch you. Right? So you're going to repeat this after me. And I've actually done that before. I've told people I'm going to head right down there. So you just, as I walk by, just reach out and grab me. And people get healed. Why? Same principle. So when we come down, you're going to say this with me. And what I'm going to have you say is you're going to agree. And you're going to make a statement of faith saying that when we touch you, you will receive your healing. And we're going to agree with you. And then we're going to lay hands on you. And we're going to go. So we're going to say it all together. And we're just going to come through. Bam, 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 bam. Right? We're not going to take it slow. We're not going to stop and pray. We don't need to do any of that. This is the power of God. This is not psychological. It's not psychosomatic. It has nothing to do with humanity. It has to do with the power of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Alright, so say this with me. So, those of you out there, you can repeat this with us also, just to give us more support. Okay. We just say it along with us. Say, Father, Father, Father in Jesus' name, Jesus name I, believe I, believe I believe that when my brother, when my brother or sister Lays hands on me, I'm going to receive my healing. Tonight is my night. When they lay hands on me, I'm going to be healed. Tonight's my night. Healing is mine. Came in sick, leaving well. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. I have been healed. Going to be healed. Healing is mine. mine. There is no devil, no sickness, no disease that can resist or hinder the power of God. When my brother or sister lay hands on me, I'm going to receive the power of God. The sickness or disease is going to go. It's going to flee. It's going to leave me. Because tonight's my night. I'm going, to be I'm going to be healed. It'll be this way, In Jesus way. and no other. And no other. In, Jesus name. In Jesus' name, I shall be free. I shall be free. Jesus, decreed it. Jesus decreed it, said it's finished. Said it's finished. I, agree. I agree, I am free. I In, Jesus name. In Jesus' name. And it shall be so, it shall be so. the second, the second I'm, touched. I'm touched. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Now, I'm going to ask you, is this true? Then give God a shout of victory before you get it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. There we go. Be free. Be free. Be free. Free in Jesus' name. Right now. In Jesus' name, I set you free. In the name. We command the power of God upon you now. In Jesus' name. Begin to do what we couldn't do before. All right? Let's get you up here. Help me out here, guys. Help me out. Give me a couple of guys. Give me a couple of guys Get this thing out of the way. There we go. Life in Jesus' name. Life. Get on either side. Help him up. Get him moving. Get, we want the legs to get to moving. Okay. Yeah. Make sure you work from near the sides there. There we go. In Jesus' name. There we go. Right now. Life and strength. Life and strength. There we go. Work on it. There we go. Now watch him. And, and take it easy on him, but make sure we get him moving. All right? We want to get him moving. You might have to actually lift and pull a bit, but move him out there and work with him moving. All right? In the name of Jesus, we command us to be so. Legs, work in Jesus' name. You work in Jesus' name right now. We command life and strength in Jesus' name. Work, work, work in Jesus' name. There we go. Right there, right there. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Right there. Right. we You can kind of straight up and just move him right there. Get in close to him. Get in close. Don't worry him out, but I want him to move him a little bit. I want movement in the legs. All right? That's all I'm doing. And you can also touch the legs and feel them. You'll feel the life come into him. Working a little bit, and I'll come right back. right, got it? Let's go. Let's go through this. Come on. Where's everybody at? Where's the rest of the guys? Let's go. Come on. Who's in line? You in line? Jesus' name. Be free. Be free. Now, now, now. In Jesus' name. Free. In Jesus' name. Free. 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 Now, in Jesus' name. Right now. Free. In Jesus' name. Total healing. Free. Now, in Jesus' name. Work in Jesus' name now. Now. Right now. There we go. That's all right. Right now. Freedom. Freedom. Free in Jesus' name. Now. In Jesus' name. Free. Free. There we go. Free. That's all right. In Jesus' name. We agree 100% right now. Freedom. Now. Paid for by the straps of Jesus. Paid for. Paid for. Paid for. Paid for. It is finished. It is done. Free in Jesus' name. Right. In Jesus name I set you free. Right now, right now, right now. In Jesus name free. Free in Jesus name. Be healed, be whole now. In Jesus name. Right there. In Jesus name. Right there, everybody. In the name of Jesus I set you free. Free in Jesus name. So it, so it, so it. In Jesus name, I set you free. Right now I set you free. Healed, set free now. In Jesus' name, right now, right now, in Jesus' name, I set you free. I set you free now in the name of Jesus. By the stripes of Jesus, healed in Jesus' name, now, 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 in the name of Jesus. Right now, free, free, free. and begin to do what you couldn't do before. In Jesus' name, completely free. Everybody.